Hey everybody, this is Angela Rizzo, Chief Marketing Officer for VinQ, and you're listening to Q the Next Leader podcast, the show that highlights leaders in the automotive industry and how their journey helps others go further faster. In this podcast, we delve into the depths of success and unveil the secrets behind the achievements of managers, owners, and influencers who have revolutionized our industry. So tune in and embrace the power of these transformative stories. The Cue the Next Leader podcast is here to fuel your drive, empower your aspirations, and ensure that no limit is beyond your reach. Welcome to Cue the Next Leader podcast. Today I'm joined by Michael Hopkins, our Chief Experience Officer here at VinQ, for a very special Pride edition of Cue the Next Leader. We will be discussing what pride means to us and the importance of inclusion and bringing your authentic self to work every day. Thanks for joining us. So, Michael, we are very blessed because we work for a company, VinQ, that is very inclusive. Yes. Um, we've got um, several of us identify as queer, gay, lesbian, you name it. Part of the alphabet soup. Part of the alphabet yeah, soup. that's right. And it, I think it really is, you know, I, pride is really important. I'd like to tell you about why I think it's important. But first, I want to hear why you think pride is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's obvious to look at the last couple of years, the last decade, and recognize that a lot of progress has been made on LGBTQ issues, um, marriage equality, uh, the rights that come along with that. I think you told me once there are 42 1,300. 1,300, way off. 1,300 rights associated uh, with marriage alone. So that was a, it was a huge battle and a huge battle won. And even at, so I'm 38 years old, and even me growing up, uh, fairly modern, never thought that was going to be an option. So that was a really big deal. But, you know, I think what gets missed in some of that is that there are still a lot of our community that are being left behind, that are being marginalized, uh, transgender folks, especially transgender people of color. Uh, but even just gay and lesbian identifying people of color in their communities have a much harder time coming out, finding that acceptance, finding that support. So um, I think having a focus on pride, having a spotlight on pride is still incredibly important culturally, uh, but also just a really important for us individually to be able to stand up and say, this is who we are without any of the context or any of the pretext of wondering how people are going to take it or is it the right scenario and the right place to be. Well, and it's really important um, for you to be authentic mm -hmm. or for people to be authentic, especially in business. Yes. So I'm a lot older than you. Okay. You're the son I never had. Just, we'll just say it, <laughs> leave that. it at that. Yeah. Um, and so I came up in an error, you know, I, I, I moved, uh, well, first of all, I'm probably the only person you will ever meet that moved from San Francisco to Kansas city to be queer. Mm -hmm. So I moved here in the early nineties. I was with Sprint. And I came from a big family and I just needed to get away yeah. to like be myself. Um, uh, and I fell in love with Kansas City and the Midwest and the people who are, who are always so welcoming. But I felt like I always had to hide my sexuality. And it was really difficult for me to like um, be comfortable. Sometimes I'm still in situations where it's not comfortable for me to come out. I feel like I have to come out like every day. Yeah. Like if I was telling you earlier, I went to... A, a store shopping and I was with my wife and somebody said, Oh, you're, you're here with your friend. And I just said, yes, yeah, instead yeah. of, you know, correcting, you know right. what I mean? A hundred percent. And you know, we, we talked about this too. And I feel like I'm always making sure to say my partner, my partner, my partner, 
Um, and then uh, the, the, the conversation that goes on inside of my head is, did you say that because that's relevant to the conversation? Uh, did you say that because you were just trying to communicate something? You're trying to make a point? Um, and so, you know, regardless of how open you feel and how confident you feel, it's still an inner dialogue and conversation that we as queer people have that other people don't have to have. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the authenticity part. That's where it comes from. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's just incredibly important that we're still having the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And being able to celebrate who we are. Correct. Right. Yes. That's yeah, what yeah, pride yeah. really is yes. all about. Yeah. It's a celebration. Right. And we did celebrate this weekend. And we did. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still wearing my rainbow yeah. colors. You look um, great. Thank you. You look fantastic. Um, representing everyone um, um, across the rainbow. Yeah. And pride is still incredibly important. I think um, it's, it's amazing that we're having this podcast. It's amazing that we work for a company that allows us to have it and have this message. Um, and in an industry, I think that is evolving uh, uh, as well and, and having more of these conversations. Yes. And I just want to go back to something we stated earlier about the federal rights and protections with, that come with marriage. Mm -hmm. So there's over 1,300, 1,311 to be exact, federal rights and protections that come with marriage. So that's why gay people want to get married. Well, first of all, we're in love and we yep. want to make that commitment. Secondly, these federal rights and protections are very important. Let me give you an example. I've been with my partner for 21 years. If something happens to me and I die, and um, prior to gay marriage being legal, she would then have to um, pay taxes on the half of the house that she inherits yeah. when I die, when we bought the house together. That's mm -hmm. a federal right and protection that she doesn't have to worry about. Yeah. If we had children together, and, I, and they were my biological children, and I pass away, my family would have rights to those children before she would. Yeah. And she helped me raise those children. So those are the types of federal rights and protections that are so important for, for, for gay people, um, for queer people, and especially for queer people who are raising kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, what it really is about is exposure, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. And you know, so let's talk about like having an experience of you know going into a new job. Like I felt like I could totally just be myself because VinQ is so open, affirming, inclusive. Yeah. So it wasn't a big deal to me to have to worry about hiding who I was or covering who I was. Uh, if you think back on your prior jobs, was you know what was it like? Did you have, did, did you feel like you had to come out to like people who you work yeah. with? In, you know when you when you started a new job. Yeah, I mean I, I did, uh, and it was kind of important for me to do that uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, mainly, it was I wanted to I wanted it out right away. I, you know the idea of of being outed uh, something that happened to me in college, and so I didn't have the opportunity to have the conversations mm -hmm. I wanted to have with people that were important to me. Um, somebody did that for me. Uh, and the reaction to that, uh, which I was very afraid of, that's the whole fear of not coming out, uh, that keeps you in the closet. Uh, but I had people that were very important to me, people that I loved, people that I respected, straight people who I was afraid of how they were gonna react. Uh, they were very upset, uh, not that I was gay, but that I didn't feel like I could talk to them. And they were really hurt by that. And so um, kind of from that moment on, I never, I never missed the chance to make sure that people understood where I was. It's not like I'm running into a room and saying, hey, I'm gay Mike, right? No, <laughs> right. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. No one's running in and saying, I'm, I'm straight this person. Um, but the, the minute that a conversation turns towards interpersonal, I do not, I, 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 don't, I don't hide those, um, those facts or those, those parts of my life um, sort of at a point. Um, now, the problem with that a little bit is, again, back to what I was saying earlier, Sometimes that feels inauthentic because it feels like I am trying to make a point. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I would rather have that than, than have it ever be used against me or make me feel bad about something. Right. 
my coming out experience was a little bit different than yours. I, I uh, was in my 30s before I felt like I had the courage to come out to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, should I tell you my coming out story? I would love to. I would okay, love to so it. it was painful at the time, but it's funny now. So I want everybody to feel like they can laugh because yeah. I think laughter heals mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of our pain. So my mother and my father, who are both gone, they've been gone for uh, 12, 13 years now. Um, my mother was from Italy. Uh, she married my dad during World War II. He was an American GI stationed mm-hmm. in Italy. Okay, so she came over. They had seven kids. I'm number six out of seven. Um, and I was I got married at a very young age, got married to a mm-hmm. man. I thought he could like save me from my true self, right? Yeah. I thought I could live the life, and I just couldn't do it. So I left him uh, and then started you know, living my authentic life. And so I was living in Kansas City, and I called my mother to tell her that I was gay because I just was tired of hiding all the time. And so, you know, uh, my mother had a very heavy Italian accent. So I said, you know, hello, mom. Yeah. Uh, mom, there's something I need to tell you. What, what, what do you need to tell mama? She always talked about herself uh-huh. in the third person. Uh, mom, I'm gay. And there was a silence. And my father's name is Sam. Sam! Dig my grave! Your daughter's a lesbian. <laughs> Dig my grave, she said. The worst. The worst, right? <laughs> and then it was like, Mom, you know, no, why did you tell me? I knew my one. I don't want to know. I said, Mom, I can't live a lie. No, you live the lie. I want you to live the lie. Because I realized at that time that by me coming out, she had to come out too, mm-hmm. right? And that was very, very difficult for her. Yeah. She didn't want to deal. She wanted everybody to be perfect in her definition right. of perfect, right? So anyway, that was my experience. Yeah, I'm happy to share mine. Yes, I'd love to hear it. But I would love to know how it ended up with your mother. Okay, so that I'm glad you asked that. So I realized that I really had to work on being comfortable with who I was. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had went, went to therapy. I actually moved back home, back to San Francisco in um, 1999. And I found a great therapist. I bought a house a mile and a half from my parents. Okay. Okay. And um, worked on really becoming comfortable with who I was. And then we used to, all of our conversations were over the phone. She'd get upset and she'd hang up. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist taught me, no, you have to like, you have to maintain control of the conversation. Don't get upset. Do more face-to-face if you mm-hmm. can so that she can't hang up the phone on you. Yeah. So, um, so I basically, when my, my partner, who is now my wife, uh, was, was coming to move in with me. This is now, 2000, fast forward to 2003. Um, I was having a conversation with my parents and I said, and you know, I was over at their house. I took them out to dinner all the time, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So I said, um, Hey, are you guys ever interested in what's going on in my life? And my mom is like, well, sure, but we like it. It's me, you and daddy. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I said, you know, I'm now part of a couple uh-huh. and her name is Jennifer and she's moving here next week. And my mother's first, her mother, said, no, Angela. We want you to be like a Cheryl. I'm like, Cheryl? Cheryl. You mean the woman across the street who lived with her mother until her mother died, mm-hmm. never got married, never had a relationship? Yeah. I said, how sad. Yeah. How sad that you want me to be like Cheryl. I'm not going to be like Cheryl. Right. I said, Jennifer is moving here. I hope you give her an, an opportunity. But guess what? If you don't want me in your home because she's here or you don't want her, then we're not coming. Yeah. And so it's really up to you. I'm not I'm not telling you or asking for your permission. I'm just telling you I'm part of a couple now. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's going to be. You, 
you're part of a family. Part right? of a family. You're making a family. Right. Uh, the same. The same as anyone would. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that you drew that boundary. Uh, I don't know how the story ends. Well, but then, I here's assume, how it is. Yeah. Here's So Jennifer moves yeah. over. A week later, we all go out to dinner because mm -hmm. my sisters met Jen. They loved her. We all went out to dinner, and everything was fine. So now I have four brothers, and my mother would refer to Jennifer as her favorite daughter-in-law. <laughs> That's awesome. So we That's really awesome. were able to work on that yeah, relationship. It's exposure. But I, but I had to do the work. My, I had to work yeah. on myself first. So, you know, that's the irony, right, of, of having to come out is that you have to do so much work <clears throat> to get there because the people that you love, the people that you would lean on, right, your family, um, your friends, uh, you don't know for sure right. if they're going to be there. And so you have to you have to be strong in that sense, personally actualized, to know that I can take care of myself if this situation doesn't end up the way I exactly. want it to end up, right? Exactly. Um, and so that, and that's, I think that's a very unique part of the queer experience. Uh, it's also why a lot of us have been in therapy. A lot, I think that the <laughs> queer population that have been in therapy is, is probably a lot higher than the straight. Uh, also, I want to take a break and recommend therapy for everyone. Mental yes. health is very important. But we have to do that work, right? Um, and so, and that bleeds into a lot of conversations around our community. You know, I think there's a, there's like an archetype, right? Of like the rich gay man and the rich gay lesbian, because uh, we're, powerful and we've got these jobs and a lot of people attribute that to not having kids and the dual income no kids situation but I think at a psychological level has a lot to do with us overcompensating and knowing that we've got to we've got to prove ourselves in a little bit different way right. uh, that most people do um, so it, it's a very unique experience um, I want to hear yours yeah so um, I, I shared a little bit about it but um, it, it was weird because um, part of that process right is coming out to yourself um, I was in high school. I was an all-state football player in Iowa. Um, I wasn't all-state in wrestling, but I enjoyed wrestling. But I was supposed to go play football for college. That was that was my plan. And I had a couple schools in Iowa that wanted me to come play. Um, and I and I applied to one other school that was a non-football school. They didn't even have a team. It also happened to be the furthest one away. Um, and uh, I remember the day I was in my parents' kitchen, and I was supposed to call this one football coach at. Luther College in Northeast Iowa, uh, and I was going to let him know I was going to be there for practice in a couple months, right? And I was going to go to Luther, and I was going to play football, and it was going to be great. My parents were there. My aunt my uncle were there. All my friends were there. They were all excited. I had a purple North shirt on for Luther, uh, and uh, they gave me the phone, the one with the long cord. So I took it out onto the patio, and, I'm on the, and I call up, and I say, Coach, hey, it's Michael Hopkins. And he goes, hey, are we going to see you at practice? And I go, uh, really sorry. I'm calling to let you know. Uh, I've decided not to go. I'm going to be going to Creighton. And I hung up the phone, and I kind of look in through the door, through the sliding door, and I see everyone very excited. And I take a pause, and, I, and it's not necessarily that I knew in that moment exactly why, uh, but what I did know was there was something I wasn't acknowledging, uh, and that as long as I was going to keep doing what I had been doing, I wasn't going to get there on my own. Um, so I went in and, and told them, and everyone was very surprised. We had a good laugh, um, and, and we still had the cake. I think there was cake. I seem to remember that. Uh, but then cake. there's always cake. Uh, but then I went to college, and um, in college I was able to meet people that weren't like me. Uh, I met my first boyfriend. We like snuck around and like hidden cars and like hidden and and stairways and things like that, so that we could you know spend time together mm -hmm. and be real together. And ultimately that ended up coming out, and people found out about it. Uh, but like I mentioned, I didn't get a chance to come out to most of the people in my life. And so uh, my parents eventually heard about it before I had a chance to talk mm -hmm. to them. All of my friends did as well. Uh, there was a period of time where I denied it, uh, which is, is kind of a weird, awful feeling. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, you know, 
I had to do the work on myself. I had to get to a spot where I was okay with it. And when I finally was, I had the conversation with my mom. Uh, she kind of gets teary when I talk about this story because she didn't take it well. And she said some things that were kind of hurtful, but she didn't mean them to be. It was right. her It was her authentic response. Right. Um, and she didn't have the language. She didn't have the knowledge and understanding. Um, and so, you know, but I had to be prepared for that. I didn't have a conversation with my dad for years. Uh, eventually, he uh, went on a work trip with me. We were down in Miami. And uh, we were sitting there and we were smoking cigars at this outdoor bar in Miami. And it was a belly dancer bar. And uh, I remember we were sitting on the second level and you could see downstairs. And downstairs, there was a girl belly dancer. And upstairs, behind me, there was a boy belly dancer. And we had been drinking a little bit. So dad's looking downstairs. I'm spun in my chair, looking the other way. So this is going on. All of a sudden, the music cuts off. The dancers go away. Dad and I slowly swivel towards each other. And I said, well, I guess I've got something for everything. And dad said, I've never loved you any less, and I never will. Um, and it was a really amazing moment. Um, but it was really incredible because he had time to process, too. He had a couple of years to kind of get there on his own. And I, my relationship with my parents is incredible now. Um, they love, love my partner of 10 years. He's part of the family. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful. But I think the moral of that story is, is that uh, as a queer person, and this is what I think, like, straight alleys really need to understand and kind of wrap their heads around appreciate is that uh, in order for us to get to a spot where we feel comfortable and authentic and confident in sharing who we are and sharing those parts of our lives, We've had to go through a lot of work, um, and we've had positive experiences doing that, and we've had negative experiences doing that. And so I think that you know the best thing that a straight ally can do in that situation is is kind of see through that, appreciate the experiences that that may or may not be behind it, um, and 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 sort of express that and acknowledge that and, and be supportive in that way. Yeah, I think that's really important because you know you and I are very fortunate, and I think a lot of people in our circle are very fortunate, but there are still some people that struggle quite a bit um, with their acceptance of their families. Not everybody gets to a place where we're at. We're very, very fortunate. Um, but I think having straight allies, straight allies can go a long way in helping, you know, uh, helping uh, others understand why, you know, it's so, e it's easy to accept us. Yes, we're not yeah. a threat. Yeah. You know, we just, like I said earlier, we just want to live. Yeah. Um, and we're not really... And, trying to and we throw great dinner parties we do. you should try and get invited to we give great gifts yes <laughs> all that stuff um you know and that's joking around a little bit but i mean it is true i mean i think that the the process that we have to go through opens us up to that a little bit more to being more empathetic and being better friends uh to people because we know what the importance of it exactly exactly yeah. and so here we are we ended up in the automotive industry yes yeah and you know there is a stereotype in the automotive industry about maybe there are people who aren't so receptive yeah. to the LGBT community. Have you can be, can be a little conservative, right? Um, and uh, I've I've been working in and around automotive for over a decade now. Um, I know you're two years in. I was talking about this with Danny, our managing partner, the other day, uh, who's been in automotive his entire life. Uh, came out when he was early 20s, so you know certainly had some waters to navigate there in a very conservative place and. Um, even from a couple years ago to now, I think that the automotive industry is coming so far in the conversations that they want to have, acknowledging uh, not just even queer identity, but just otherness, right? Other identities. And, and yes, it's a financial part, right? We have money <laughs> we want to spend, uh, especially the queer community. We love brand new German cars. Uh, but, uh, you know, so there, there's certainly that part of it. And I think that that obviously opens a lot of doors. 
but what the what we understand and what we see and we hear from our customers is that one of the big conversations right now is employee retention, right? And and being a dealership where people want to work because you get to pick and choose where you want to work now. That's just the labor market that we're in. And so in order for a dealership to uh, make customers feel safe and welcome, uh, in order for employees to want to stay and work uh, and invest their time and energy in a company is like critically important. Right. Um, and, it's, and it's pushing all those conversations forward. Uh, and then I think once you start having those, you also realize it's the right thing to do on top of it. Right. And if you're inclusive in the people that you hire, then you will be inclusive in the people who come shop yes. and, and yeah. buy your products. So if you're if you know if you've got people everyone represented, mm -hmm. then you know you're more likely to get a pretty good following of folks that yeah, want to spend their money with you. Keyword there is representative, right? Uh, representation. We talk a lot about that a lot in the queer community. We talk a lot about that in the people of color community communities of color talk about about that a lot. Uh, and really all it is is if I see someone who looks like me, who I think I can uh, 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 at least uh, presume has similar life experiences to me, I am going to feel more confident. I'm going to feel more comfortable. That is where I want to go do business. That is where I want to go work. Exactly. Uh, and that's why representation is important. It's not about quotas. It's not about, you know, any, it's not about anything about that. It's about, you know, is this, is this a place where my life experience is going to be appreciated, respected? Right. Well, I want to thank you for taking the yeah. time today to talk to me. It's uh it's, we're halfway through Pride Month, so we're I know, still, yeah. but you know, I kind of celebrate Pride every day, every yeah. the year. So you know, but this month we just get to accentuate it. That's right. Um, I want to also give a shout out, a shout out to Matt Jones of yeah. True Car. Matt, you were the inspiration for this podcast because we saw the one that you did in 2021, and we felt that we we as leaders we wanted to be out and be proud. And thank you for the inspiration. Yeah, you are doing more than I, well, you probably do realize, but you're doing a ton for this industry in terms of having these conversations and, and paving the way. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's it. All right. I awesome. think it's a wrap. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you've made it this far, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if so, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.